You are so integral to the plan and purposes of God in the earth that you are actually walking around with a target on your back. Why are we instructed to put on the full armor of God? We also read in the Bible that we are not to be ignorant of our enemy and his schemes, his strategies to specifically take us out of the game and render us useless, disconnected from our purpose on the sidelines. Guys, there is a method and a strategy to every attack and temptation that comes our way. And in today's show, I want to break down the anatomy of a temptation. And if you stick around to the end, I'm going to give you five actionable tactics that you can employ in your life today to build a plan to beat temptations when they come your way. Let's get into it. You are listening to Raising the Standard, leadership, mindset, and development for the kingdom man. If you've ever wondered, how can I be the man God created me to be? Or maybe you asked yourself, what purpose does God have for my life? If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. My goal is simple, to help you access the unfair advantage all Christian men have and give you actionable strategies to reach your full potential. My name is Josh Kachadorian. I am a best-selling author, husband, father, disciple, and son of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to get off the sidelines, upgrade into your identity as a kingdom man, and take the territory that God has for you, then it's time to raise the standard. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Raising the Standard. I'm your host, Josh Kachadorian, and today I'm going to be breaking down the anatomy of a temptation. Guys, this is so important to talk about because we are surrounded by temptations. This is actually the enemy's plan, and it's what he uses. It's his strategies, his tools, his tactics to tempt us to fall into sin because when we're sinning, we're useless. We're off the game. We're off the field. We're on the sidelines. We're disconnected from purpose. We're disconnected from mission, and we really can get spun out of control by giving in to temptations. And this is what I've learned, and we can see this through scripture. Our enemy is a keen observer of human nature. In fact, he's been around from the beginning. He's a created being, but he's been observing human nature for a very long time. And this is what I've come to the conclusion of. We're not that different from other humans that lived hundreds and even thousands of years before us. Yes, we have more technology, we have different distractions, and we have different, more easily, more readily available temptations. But when it comes down to it, the human weakness is inherent in all of us because there are a couple lines of attack that he takes over and over when he comes to level a temptation, to level a strategy, to get you to trip up and fall. And in today's episode, I want to break down the specific three methodologies, these three strategies or lines of attack, and there is a sequence. There is an order for how our enemy goes after us because, again, we are not that different from other humans. He knows the human pattern. He knows the human faults. He knows what men can easily trip up and fall into. And listen, I'm not saying we all have the same patterns and temptations. So what tempts you may not tempt me. And I'm not just talking about big sin. We can fit temptations under the umbrella of, hey, I'm going off my diet today and I'm being tempted to overindulge and to eat and to lose my discipline and just totally go off the rails with the discipline I've been building in my life. 
And it can also range to the other end of the spectrum where you're being tempted to have an extramarital affair or you started looking at something you're not supposed to look at and that has grown into a beast that you can no longer control because you gave into the first temptation. And this is what it does. Sin always keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. And the saying is that it always makes you pay more than you wanted to pay. So it's important for us to recognize the plan and strategy of the enemy so we can build walls, we can set boundaries, and we can know exactly what his battle plan is because when we know it, we can be equipped to fight it. And I'm going to tell you there is a sequence, there is an order, there is a strategy, and it is predictable because he does it every time. His temptations always come in three levels, and I'm going to break that down for you right now. Hey guys, I also want to just thank you for listening to the show. If you're listening to the podcast and you have not yet left a review, I'm going to ask you to please leave us a review. Just tap five stars. And if you could write a written review for the show, it goes so far in helping get this message out to more men. I want to thank you in advance for taking the opportunity and taking some time, just a minute, just to write a quick note. Let me know what you like about the show and ask me a question. What would you like to see covered on future episodes? You can ask your question right in the review. I will get those, I look at those, and I'd love to get your ideas, what's in your head, and what you would like to see discussed on future episodes, whether that's a solo cast like this one, or if it's a topic you want me to tackle with a guest. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for leaving a review. Okay, guys, so as we look at the anatomy of a temptation, I'm using the word anatomy because it really signifies how you build something. What's the makeup? What's the DNA? What is the sequence and order of the temptations that we face in our life and that the enemy brings to our gate, right to our doorstep? So in order for us to do this, I need to review our spiritual anatomy really quick. And this is just a macro level view, super important. And I will be covering this deeper on future episodes, but you and I have a spiritual anatomy. We have a makeup from the way God designed us. And this is important because the three levels in the way we are designed, the three parts of us that make us the whole man that we are, are also direct correlations to the way temptations come at us. So number one, we are a spirit. We have a spirit man within us. We also are a soul. And the soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's what makes up our personality. And then we also, obviously, we have a body. We have flesh and blood. We have bone. And we are a body. So we are a spirit. We have a soul. That's our intellect, our mind, will, emotions. And we have a physical flesh and blood body. So I want to take you to the Garden of Eden. And let's look at the famous account in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve gave into sin. Because here you are going to see some very specific strategies that the enemy uses. And I'm also pulling from one of the chapters in my book, The Standard, Discovering Jesus as the Standard for Masculinity, from where I'm using some of this content from. I'm actually going to go into some things now that are not in the book, but as you see as this progresses, it's all from the chapter, and I have this very well laid out and documented. If you want more detail about what we're going to talk about today, in the chapter, Jesus has a plan. 
And that plan is how he overcomes temptation. So let's go right to the garden. So in the Garden of Eden, Satan shows up in the form of a serpent and he starts this temptation. He starts this dialogue with Eve where she starts engaging with the enemy. And it's all around this fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was off limits to Adam and Eve. And in this exchange, it's all around the fruit of this tree. Now, the first thing we're going to see is that the tree has fruit. And the fruit is pleasant to the eyes. The fruit is good to look at. The fruit tastes good. You can touch it. I'm sure you could smell the fruit. There's something about this that's appealing to the five senses. And Eve can see that this fruit is good for food. And the serpent's going to convince her this is good for food. So the first level of attack is always on the five senses. Your five senses, sensual, something that attracts us, taste, what we see, what we look at, these engage our five physical senses in the realm of our body. So the first line of attack comes against the body of humans, and it's really going after the sensual appetites, the fleshly appetites. I'm hungry. I need food that looks good. I want to have it. I wonder what that tastes like. And that is the first line of attack that the serpent uses against Eve. The next line of attack is interesting because it comes in the realm of the soul. And I just laid out what the soul is. It's the mind, will, and emotions. It's the intellect. And this is the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the knowledge. It appeals to knowledge. It appeals to intellect. It appeals to the mind. So there's something in the soul realm here that this second level of the temptation appeals to the soul of man. It's telling us that we can grow from it. There's a personal development theme here. You can get bigger. You can be like God. You can think like God. You can know like God. You won't be ignorant anymore. And you'll be able to know knowledge of good and evil just like God and the serpent said, God doesn't really want you to know that. So he's appealing to this soulish nature, this soulish desire that humans have to acquire knowledge. And the last part of the attack is really an attack on the spiritual side of man, where the enemy now says, when you eat this fruit, you will be like God. And that really is the crux of this whole temptation wrapped up in a nutshell, is that you can be like God. You will be a God. You will be equal to God. You'll have the knowledge that God has that he doesn't want you to have. And this last line of attack or this last line of questioning comes and appeals to the spiritual nature that your spirit can ascend and be like God. So we see here, there's three lines of questioning. There's three levels to this temptation. And notice the order, because this is very important. It's very telling. And you will be able to identify all levels of temptation based on what the enemy does here. First, there's the body, the five senses, those things that are sensual, that appeal to our physical and fleshly appetites. Next, you have the soul realm acquiring knowledge, will, intellect, growing in your knowledge, growing your ability to think, and then lastly, to really be like God. And it's an attack along the line of the spiritual makeup of man that you can actually be like God. You can be a God. So three lines of attack in the Garden of Eden. Now, I'm going to fast forward over to the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. 
So let's look at this closely because this is really interesting, guys. You're going to see a mirror image of what we just saw happen at the Garden of Eden. We're now going to see something very similar. I'll let you decide for yourselves, but let's hold up these two temptation accounts right next to each other and let's see if we can find some similarities so we can identify what the enemy might be trying to do in our life. When Jesus departs the wilderness, he goes on a 40-day fast. Okay, he is at the end of his fast when the enemy shows up for the rule number one. So the first thing I want to point out is that your enemy attacks you when you're at your weakest. Jesus was alone. He did not have 12 disciples around him at this point. He did not have community around him. He just finished a 40-day fast. He's nutritionally depleted. Right now, he needs sustenance. He needs calories. And he just gave this time to God. He's in the wilderness. He's alone. He's isolated. And he is nutritionally deprived. At this point in time is when Satan shows up and starts with a line of questioning. And we're going to see it unfold in a level of three again. And the first line of questioning is going after the five senses. It's an attack on the body appealing to the fleshly appetite that Jesus actually would have had as a human. As the son of man, he would have been hungry. He just went 40 days without eating. He's nutritionally depleted. And the enemy says, if you really are who you say you are, then pick up that stone and turn it into bread. And who knows, maybe he saw a vision of bread. Maybe the enemy did something there in the spiritual realm. I'm not sure. But what we do know is he's appealing and painting this vivid picture or vision of bread, of something that can sustain you, something that's delicious, something that appeals to the senses, the human nature, the human five senses that would have been attractive and would have been a temptation to Jesus. And Jesus defeats this line of questioning. He defeats the enemy and he responds by saying it is written and the enemy has to get behind him as he denies this temptation. So what we see so far is we have the Garden of Eden and we have fruit that's good to the eyes. And in Jesus's wilderness temptation, we have this picture and this image of bread, which you really need, which is also good to the eyes. And it's also what you're hungry for right now in this moment. So let's move on to the next temptation, the next line of questioning that Satan will bring to Jesus. And this is what he does. He takes him to a high point, a high pinnacle of the mountain, and he shows him the kingdoms of the world. And here is an appeal to status. Guys, within human nature, all men have a hunger for status, for resources, for acquiring wealth, the need for respect, the need to be recognized. This is something we are all susceptible to in our human nature. There's something within us that wants that drive for recognition, that drive to acquire, to have more, to acquire resources, to acquire wealth. And this is exactly what the enemy does to Jesus. He brings him to the high point and shows him the kingdoms of the world and says, I can give you all of this. You can have status. You don't have to go through God's plan for you, your life. You can go right to the pinnacle with me and you can have it all right now. And of course, Jesus does not give into this. He defeats the enemy again. He quotes scripture and the enemy is left looking for another angle to try and tempt Jesus with. But the second temptation is in the realm of the soul. It's that human nature, that human will, mind, will, and emotions that want more. 
that wants status, that want recognition, that wants respect. Guys, we want that. We hunger for that. We look for those things. And here the enemy brings it right to the doorstep of Jesus. Jesus denies it, but it is the second level of the attack and it's on the soul realm. And the last line of attack that the enemy brings to Jesus is a full out assault on his identity. If you really are who you say you are, then throw yourself down. The angels will come. They'll pick you up. They won't let you dash your foot against the stone. And you can show me that you really are who you are. He attacks his identity. He tries to get Jesus to act out of the will of his father. And of course, Jesus does not do this. Of course, he denies Satan. He quotes the word. Satan gets behind him. But what I want to point out for what we're talking about today is that that last line of attack is on the spiritual substance of Jesus. It's on the spiritual DNA, the heart of who he is, his identity. If you are who you say you are, you will do this. And Jesus denies that. So again, we see first the body temptation around the five senses. You need bread. Second, we have the soul realm, mind, will, intellect, status, resources, wealth, kingdoms. And then lastly, we have the spirit realm attacking his identity. Guys, do you see the pattern here? When the enemy attacks us, he always does it in this order. He goes after our body our senses, what we see with our eyes, what can he entice us with? Maybe it's food. What do you have a taste for? Maybe it's alcohol. What are you searching for? What do you want? What's your fleshly desire? That's where he tries to get you tripped up first. Most men will fail here. So most of us are failing when it comes to the fleshly appetites, the carnal appetites of our body. And after this comes the soul realm, this thirst, this hunger for knowledge, recognition. It could be this desire for wealth that's out of proportion and out of the will of God. There's so many ways that that soul desire, that soul temptation can be projected on us and can even masquerade as something good. Like it's a good thing to go after this, but it's not the will of God. And then lastly, he'll go after your identity and he'll go after who God really says you are. And he's attacking your spirit. He's attacking who God says you are and your literal spiritual DNA. So the attacks of the enemy are body, soul, and spirit. So here's what's interesting. I'm going to give you a scripture because what you're going to notice is that there is an order that God wants us to be in. There is an order and an alignment with God's spirit that he designed us to walk with. And that order is spirit, soul, and body. That is the correct order. That is the right ascendancy and sequence. Your spirit and ascendancy growing and enlarging your soul in subordination to your human spirit, and then also your body under that. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, the apostle Paul is praying for the church at Thessalonia, and he prays this prayer and he says, I pray that you would be sanctified, that God would sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. So that is the order. That's what God's desire and his will for us will be, is that we will live from the spirit first, our soul in subordination to the spirit, and then our body. That's the correct order and alignment. And we see when the enemy shows up and when he tempts us, he always perverts the order and tries to get us out of alignment and always attacks the body first. So there's the body, the soul, and the spirit. In both temptation accounts, the Garden of Eden and Jesus in the wilderness, he's reversing the order. 
That's the way temptations come. That's the sequence, my friends, for how we are tempted. So now that you know that, we can start to build a plan to be resistant and to recognize and to build some walls and boundaries in our life so we can set ourselves up to be strong in the face of temptation. And as the Bible says, resist temptation and flee temptation. So this is important because we actually don't fight temptation. It's not something the the Bible tells us to go head to head with and start battling. What's actually written in scripture is flee youthful lusts, flee temptations, run away from them, take yourself out of the environment where the temptation is. That is the best battle strategy for you and me if we're to beat the temptations that can easily beset us. So sometimes this is easier said than done. You might be thinking, hey, that's great. I can't always just remove myself because you don't know because of my work or where I am or where I have to go. There's always temptations around me and there always will be. And Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted in. And he shows us as the son of man in his perfected humanity, the way God intends man to be, that you can beat temptations. And we have a plan. And I'm going to give you five specific tactics that you can start using in your life right now. Okay, so the first thing I want to say is willpower doesn't work. If you think you can beat your enemy only based on your willpower, that you're strong enough, that you're man enough, that, hey, I can just muscle up, I can armor up, and in my own will, I'm strong. I won't fall. So there's been a lot of studies on willpower, and here's the thing. Willpower is a limited resource. Any expert in the field of personal development and understanding willpower and what makes champions champions, how they build habits, how they overcome, you will see that willpower is a limited resource. I'm talking about your human willpower. You don't have enough of it to last all day long. It comes in finite amounts and we usually have willpower at the beginning of the day. Let's just make this really practical. Think about your diet. Think about your health. You usually can start off really strong and it's by the end of the day when you already spent that willpower bank account on all these other decisions where you usually fall at the end of the day and you start making bad decisions when you're tired, when you're overspent, when you're exhausted because you depleted the willpower you had. So if you're only relying on willpower, you're doing it totally wrong because you do not have enough. So the first tactic is don't rely on your willpower. Okay. Number two, change your environment. This is what all the studies show. If you want to build new habits, if you want to be the man you really want to be, and you want to develop the skills you need, and you want to step into who you're created to be, you need to start living out of a new environment that shapes and has all the things necessary that's going to challenge you and also shield you from the things that can easily beset you. So if there's a certain place, if there's a thing in your house, if there's something that's causing you to trip up, if there's a relationship even, maybe there's a friend you have to cut off or there's a relationship you have to cut out because it's feeding something in you that's always making you sin or taking you into a place that you're not supposed to go, you need to cut that off. So number two is change your environment. Okay, number three, avoid isolation. Guys, we like to think we can do it on our own. We like to man up and just think we're strong enough. And hey, I can do it. 
Other guys have fallen, but I won't fall. I've made up my mind. I'm strong enough. I'm not going to give into this temptation. And we can end up playing with fire. And guess what? Whenever you play with fire, you get burned. We actually see that in Proverbs. How can a man take fire close to him and not get burned? You're fooling yourself if you think you can flirt with the world and not end up crossing the line. So avoid isolation, avoid being alone, avoid places, people, and things that can set you up for failure. Okay, number four, be authentic and be vulnerable. Find some men in your life. Find someone that you can confide in. If you have a struggle in an area with a specific temptation, be authentic about it. I love it when I hear guys say, hey, you know what? I got to share something with you. And they let their guard down and they tell me what's really going on in their life. I have so much respect for that man who can let their guard down. You don't have to tell everyone. You don't have to broadcast it to the world, but you do have to tell somebody sometimes because that's the way you overcome through your testimony and through your word. And there's an accountability that comes there. So if you're struggling in an area, if there's a temptation in your life you keep falling into, you can use all the tactics we said so far, but share your struggle with someone so they can pray for you and there's accountability. And I also find that when you speak it out loud, you can overcome it because now you can defeat it. You put it into the atmosphere, you're recognizing it, and you can disarm the power that that thing has over you. Okay, and the last one, number five, I wanna charge you with this. Guys, we're not doing this all on our own. So far, I gave you some really practical, actionable tips, but we are infused with the power of the Holy Spirit to beat temptations. We have to rely on him. We have to lean on him and partner with him. And that means we have to live out of a new creation identity. Stop saying you're a sinner. Stop confessing you're struggling. Start living out of your sonship. So how do you do that? You recognize that you are actually a son of God, that he loves you, that he rescued you, that he pulled you out of where you were to place you where you are now in a life that overcomes. And now you have to walk in that new identity experientially. So we're there positionally when you become saved, when you ask Jesus to forgive you of all your sins and you commit your ways to him, you now have to walk that out. And as you walk that out, he walks with you. So start seeing yourself the way he sees you. Start living out of that new identity to overcome temptations and to be the man you're created and called to be and be the man that he says you are. Guys, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know which one of these strategies resonates with you the most. Please leave that review. Drop a comment. Leave me a question. Let me know what you want us to cover on future episodes. And until then, build your plan to beat temptation and let's raise the standard. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If what you heard here today resonated with you and you want to fully step in to be the man that God created and called you to be, then I want to give you a free guide. It's called The Map, and you can get it at standard59.com. In The Map, I will give you 12 biblical strategies that every kingdom man pursuing biblical masculinity must honor. If you're ready to step off the sidelines and pursue the upward call, then get The Map today at standard59.com. That's standard59.com. Hey, if there's a brother in your life that needs to hear this message, then share this show with them. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps get the message out there to more men. Until the next show, guys, let's raise the standard.